Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. Yes, first, we preach two books of the Bible here. We're glad you're here. We like to find out what Jesus has to say for life. We the word of God is valuable and effective for your life. I think that as we study the word of God in these moments, as we worship God and as we draw close to him, he wants to draw near to us. As we look in the books of the Bible, like John, we're finding out what Jesus is like. And as we are finding out what Jesus is like, it's like moving beyond speed dating and moving into kind of having a real relationship. You know what I mean? Anybody ever like dated and you like you met somebody and you're like, cool, I'm done with you. A lot of times our relationship with God can feel like a speed dating, you know, round. It can feel like an obligation. It can feel like, hey, let's get this done. Let's move on. But part of music and studying the word and approaching God in worship and taking time out of your day and your weekend to come here and make this a priority is not so much about doing a duty or just knowing a little bit more about Jesus and stopping off to be educated for a moment. It's developing relationship. So when we look through books of the Bible, what we're finding out is that Jesus has a personality. He has a nature. He has a will, an emotion. And the Bible says that his purpose in revealing who he was and coming and showing who he was was so that you would know who God was. And no matter if you're an atheist or an agnostic or a full-out Christian or a pagan or whatever, everybody is kind of, you know, concerned, interested, peaked towards this idea of what is God like. So in deciding to preach through books of the Bible... We don't want it to be moments where you just come in and get information. And coming in to sing songs and worshiping, we don't want to be just moments where you are trying to, you know, warm yourself up, right? Get loose with a little bit of music. We want it to be developing tried and true relationship with a person. Not just a speed dating. Not just a solo date and then move on. Not just... You know, education, tell me more about your friend. I might be interested. But it's you getting to know God in a very real way. So we've been talking a little bit about healing. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus has come to reveal God's heart for his people in healing. Right? So a lot of churches will not tell you that. They don't believe that. And bless their heart. That's fine. I, at one time in my life, did not believe that. I was raised that way and I walked away. You had me raised one way and then walked away. And then it's not necessarily you walked away, but you're like, I'm not so sure I believe that. Like one time I was like, did Jonah really live in a fish for three days? Anybody ever thought about that? Did the whole earth really flood? I mean, is that something I should really believe in? Right, And God began to reckon with me a lot of these things. And he took me on a, a pretty good journey of learning about his healing nature. The Bible says that in Isaiah that it describes Jesus in how he provided for our salvation. The idea of salvation is soteriology. It's this idea of sozo. It is that God delivers and saves. And all of us are interacting with God through salvation. You know, we, we believe and, you know, whether you raised your hand or said a prayer or came to the altar or you were just like one day you're like, you know what? I believe in Jesus and I'm going to follow after him. It was a moment of salvation. 
It was a moment where God forgave you of your sins and we would all identify and go, well, that means that you're going to heaven. You're saved. You're going to heaven. That when this world ends, you'll have life with Jesus and you go to heaven or hell. And, and that's a, a concept that we're very familiar with, heaven or hell. I'm a good person or I'm a bad person. But salvation says you don't have to be a good or bad person to get to heaven because that won't get you there. Being a really good dude or being a really sweet lady, being really kind will not get you to heaven. Being bad will not get you to hell. Did you know that? I'm like, what? what? This guy's getting off balance here. What? Being bad definitely gets you to hell. No, not believing in Jesus gets you to hell. Believing in Jesus gets you to heaven. You can't do enough to get to heaven, and you can't not do enough to get to hell. It's believing in Jesus. This is the idea of salvation. In Isaiah, when God is laying out his plan 600 years before Jesus even walked the earth, we're talking about a prophetic thing. Isaiah is speaking for God, and he says, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, he says, Surely he took up our pain, bore our suffering, and we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. This is a prophetic verse that the Jews are actually receiving from the prophet Isaiah. Many Jews don't even believe this because they don't believe in Jesus. But you look at that verse, it's pretty obvious that he's prophesying about Jesus the Messiah. When you read the whole book of Isaiah, you're going to find that he is over and over and again pointing this out. And it's his idea of salvation, sozo, soteriology. Okay, And through that, he is forgiving your sins by dying on a cross. I think that most Christians would say amen to that. They would say, yes, that's true. Also included in this is the idea that salvation and healing are also in the atonement of God. That God atones for your sins. And he also, through his death, is bringing you healing and life. And in this idea of salvation, it's not just that God wants to give birth to you in new life. That you would move from death to life and he would just leave you alone like illegitimate father. What he wants to do is he wants to raise you, he wants to care for you, he wants to be with you. And that's the relationship that we're talking about when we talk about Jesus. Jesus came to not just speed date you, but to reveal to you what his purpose and plan and design for your life is. And so what Jesus starts doing is he starts healing people, he starts forgiving people, and he starts delivering people from the darkness that is surrounding their life through demons, Satan, and the ruler of this world. That's threefold, and it is this, that Jesus comes to forgive your sins, he comes to heal your body and heal from disease, and he comes to deliver from torment. Okay? This is what is wrapped up in one word, salvation. For far too long, the church, Christians, everybody else have dumbed it down to say, oh, God just wants to get you to a better place someday. Good luck treading water on this world until that day. And I'm here to let you know that God is not that kind of father to you. He is a father who raises you. He is a father that looks after you. And if you read this book from beginning to end, you're going to see God's faithfulness 
to his people. And it is wrapped up in that he forgives their sins, heals their body, and delivers them from torment and all of their enemies. Okay, so when we're talking about healing, that's what we're talking about. That's my little short healing message. I'm going to talk a little bit more about it. We were talking about it for three weeks. This is our fourth week. Allie came to my office last week and said, are you going to talk about healing again this week? And I said, yes, I am. She's like, can this be the last one? Because every week I cannot sleep at night. It's like the enemy is coming to me. And any, anybody else feel like that? Like, like, and I'm not a big like, you know, enemy person, like fighting the devil all the time. But I'll tell you this. I have fought more battles talking about healing throughout the week than just passively saying, well, I'll say a good message about Jesus. I'll tell you what, when the enemy has his hand on your life, he doesn't like to let go. And anybody who comes around trying to bring you life, to bring you truth, and to bring you Jesus, the enemy does not like. All right, so, I don't know if I'm going to stop preaching about healing, but I'm not going to stop talking about it. And uh, I will let you know this, the ES First will be a house of healing for all generations. So, I want you to be able to hear me talk about it enough that you also talk about it. I don't want you to like be like, oh, you know, like Brandon says that healing can happen. I want you to go and lay hands on people. I don't want you to be like, well, maybe one day I'll be healed. Maybe one day everything will be just fine. I want you to be so passionate about God's call for your life that you'll be involved in believing God for the impossible to move in your neighbor, your children, your family, everywhere you go. And you can't get that by speed dating Jesus. So, here we go. John chapter 5. That's my intro. So that's much shorter than my dad's intro. But here we go. John chapter 5, verse 1. I'm going to read it off the screen if you got it though. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in that condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me to get into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. That's a Saturday in Jewish culture. They didn't work. They didn't do anything. They just worshiped God. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and the law forbids you to carry your mat. Go back and rest. And he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? And the man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said, see, you're well. Interesting, he says, see, you're well again. That means that he was healthy at one time, suffered sickness and disease, and was sick for a very long time, or lame, or paralyzed. See, you're well. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. 
The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the power of God. It's real and effective. There's something about being in your presence that changes our mood. It changes our belief. It gives us hope. It takes us from places of anxiety and depression to places of peace and rest and joy. I pray today that healing would take place in this room. People would be forever changed and move forward because of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus is walking out of the temple, and it's right outside the temple there's this pool. Now, Excelsior Springs is known for its water. It's like used to be said that you come here and you could sit in springs and you could sit in pools and you would have healing properties. Well, right outside of, of the temple in Jerusalem was this pool and it was said that the water would come down and be troubled and if you got in while the water was being troubled that you could be healed. I'm not sure if, when I say troubled, I mean like stirred up. You know, like the way you trouble the water when you put bubble bath in for your kids or yourself. You're like, like this doesn't work. Give me some bubble bath. The water would be troubled, and they said an angel would come down and do it. I don't know if it was actually an angel. I don't know if the water was healing, but everybody believed it. I don't know if it was just some kind of like psychosomatic thing in their mind. It was like they got in. It was like, you know, I think I do feel better. You know, Kind of like the water in California. It's very cold, but when I go there, I'm like, you know, I think I do feel better. It was like that. And so all these people would gather there. Jesus comes by, and he sees this guy who'd been laying there for a long time. The Bible says like 38 years lame. I don't know if he was at the pool 38 years. But I know it would have been a long time. And out of all the people there, all of them are invalid. All of them are looking for healing. All of them are looking for God, you know, this supernatural thing to do something in their life. And it's spiritual. It's there at church. It's right outside the church. And this one guy's laying there and Jesus walks up and is like, hey, do you want to get well? Which seems like a really stupid question. I talked about that a couple weeks ago. It seems like a really stupid question. It seems like very, like a great opportunity to be sarcastic to Jesus. And he starts to give him excuses about why he hasn't gotten in the water to be healed. Not knowing that Jesus is there to heal him. I'm not against natural methods. I'm not against the world's system of helping you and nursing you back to health. But I do believe that we oftentimes miss the mark in our health. We miss the mark in our healing, and we miss the mark in what God desires for us by only trusting in the world's method. So here's Jesus. He's the one who has healing in his hands. He's the one who desires to heal. He's the one that's expressing the heart of the Father. He's the one that's bringing heaven to earth. And this guy can only talk about his excuses as to why he's not being healed. And he starts to tell Jesus. And finally, Jesus is like, you know, just shut up, man. Just like, if you want to be healed, take up your mat and walk. And he decides to shift his attention from the world's perspective on how to be healed. And to shift it to Jesus, which can heal him in a moment. Now he has to respond to Jesus' word In order to walk in belief. Believing is just hearing and then responding with your actions. When you were saved, like you responded to the message of Jesus and you responded with your actions. Right? It's pretty simple. To be saved is just believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. Is what Romans says. 
It's pretty simple. But in that moment, something happens. And so Jesus says, do you want to be well? He says, take up your mat and walk. And in his instruction, in his words, comes this healing power. So the guy rolls it up, and all of a sudden, he is walking. Miraculous. This is what's happening. So, Jesus goes on, he just skedaddles, and this guy's walking around. I'm sure it was a big party, and he was pretty excited about not being lame anymore. He'd been laying at this pool for a very long time. They go back into the temple, so it'd be like having a pool outside in the parking lot, and we just come back into the church. He's back in the temple. The Bible says that he finds him in the temple, and he sees this guy, and whatever he's doing, Jesus notices that it's not necessarily the thing that he should be doing, I think. Doesn't say that. But Jesus calls him out and says, hey, see, you're well. You like being well? You like being healthy? And he goes, stop sinning. It's the only person that he says these words to. He describes like this, stop sinning or something worse will come upon you. So in one moment, this guy responds to Jesus' instruction, his word, and he's obedient. And through his obedience to God's word, he's healed. Later, he's doing something that Jesus looks at him and says, Hey, I wouldn't keep doing that if I were you. Something worse could come upon you. We don't talk about this verse very often. We don't get too deep into it because it's kind of obscure. But I want to, from the Bible, talk to you a little bit about the idea of God's healing power in your life, in his perspective on healing, and how maybe in your life you could walk away from some things that are keeping you from God's best for you. So the first thing we need to know is that Jesus' mission statement is John 10.10. Okay? John 10.10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and life to the full. Now, a lot of people have this idea that if something bad is happening to me, it's because God wanted it to happen. Anybody kind of ever felt that way? Anybody ever heard someone talk like that? Right? It's like, oh, yep, this is their favorite line. Everything happens for a reason. And what they mean like that is like, God's got a really big reason that you're going through your crap. Oftentimes, we're so in love with the idea of punishment, which the Bible says that Jesus already took on the cross. We're so in love with the idea of punishment, we'll punish ourselves over things that God never decided to put on us. We'll live in our own kind of mess thinking that we better stay here because God put us in this time out. But the Bible says it's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God is, Jesus has come that you might have life, life overflowing, life to the full. So let me just break this down for you really simply. Okay? God good, devil bad. I want you to say it. Just God good, devil bad. All right. Okay? You sing songs like, he's a good, good father, but he's punishing me. He's punishing me, and that's why I have to put up with all this crap. You sing lies. As Christians, we don't tell lies, we sing them. There used to be a song, I love you. We sing this song. More than anything, I love you. 
or sing like sing songs like I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love. The game starting at twelve. Forever. God, good, devil, bad. Half the things that you believe are actually a lie about God. It's true. It's just true. Oral Roberts, one of the great men of faith, would say it like this. God is a good God and the devil is a bad devil. A lot of things you're putting up with you think are a curse from God. That he's punishing you. Anybody ever felt cursed? Ever ever questioned, like, God, is this a curse because of my choices? Is this what happened to me because I did this? It was a Tuesday, 1987. I remember it clearly. (laughs) Remember that? I did this and you did that. and, And it seemed like ever since then I've been cursed. Anybody? I'm the only one. Your pastor is the only person who's ever felt cursed. And Jim. Me and Jim. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Here's what I want you to tell you. In the Bible, actually, and a lot of people use these verses back and forth, Deuteronomy 28, God lists out all the blessings. He's like, do this. He's like, believe God. Here's all the blessings. And it just goes down. All the way down. And he goes, and if you don't choose to follow God, here's all the curses. Right? And people in your life in Christianity will take that Old Testament verse and go back and forth and go, here's all the blessings, here's all the curses. And they go, well, you got one of these curses? Then you better go back and figure out what it is that you did that God is cursing you for. Except for, in the New Testament, Paul writes a letter to this church at Galatia who's wrapped up in this back and forth stuff. As a matter of fact, they're so wrapped up in it, they think that they can earn God's blessing and Paul starts off his letters, he's like, hey, I don't want you to get wrapped up in that whole thing. You started off in the spirit. and Why are you trying to get God's best for your life through the flesh? Why are you trying to get God's best for your life by chalking off a line here, chalking off a line here, and adding it all up because you're not going to add up. If we pulled out a calculator and added it all up, your equals key would always be negative. You can't add up. And so then he starts to just like lay some stuff out. And then in Galatians chapter 3, this is what he kind of wraps up his dissertation with. He goes, Christ redeemed us from the curse. You know what that means? Redeemed means that he bought you back from the curse. He bought you back from the very curse that would take your life, that would punish you, that would put you in spiritual timeout. And you know how he did it? By becoming the curse for you. This is Paul writing this, and he says, It is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a pole. One verse says, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He's saying that Jesus was crucified to take your curse. Now when I go back to Deuteronomy 28 and it starts to list off all the blessings and all the cursings, I can just take this cursing and go, thank God that's not me. And I can go to the blessing and I can say, that's me. That's me. I'm so, whoa, how did I get so lucky? That's how. Jesus redeemed you from the curse. And he made you blessed. Isn't it funny that even Christians, you walk around and you're like, how are you doing? And they like to say, Oh, I'm blessed. But they feel cursed. 
As a matter of fact, if they could sit down with God, they would probably complain and say, why is this happening? Why did that happen? 20 years ago, why, 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 why? But yet they say, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. But they, they don't believe it. They don't believe it. You want to know maybe why you don't see more healing in your life? is because you don't believe that God wants to heal you. What I find out when I study healing like this, Jesus walks up to the guys like, do you want to be well? And there's all these people around here. And it seems so unfair. But he's looking for somebody to believe him. One time, he walks up and he blatantly asks this guy who wants his kid to be healed. He goes, hey, do you believe I can do this? I think he had that same pitch too. Do you believe I can do this? Then the guy had to be honest. He's like, you know, I believe but if you could help this parts of me that can't quite believe and understand this and can't figure it out, could you just help me out? You just have to believe. And so Jesus, he's like, hey, you know, I don't even ask for a lot. He's like, if you could have just faith, like the size of a grain of a mustard seed, just like that little, little thing, you know, that looks like a, a, a speck of dust. If you could just have that much, you wouldn't believe what you're capable of when you believe me that much. So we have to become convinced that God's blessing is on us. That Jesus came and died to give us God's blessing. How free that is to know that God's blessing is on you. How freeing it is to know that God loves you and cares for you. But you keep trying to convince yourself the other thing. Half the time you won't even pray that somebody or even yourself could be healed because you're not sure that God likes you that much. Jesus comes to reveal the heart of God. And it's that he wants to die to get you to heaven, to be with him, to be connected to him, to be close to him, to live in his eternal glory forever. He has died to heal your body from sickness and disease. And every devil in hell has no right to sit down at your table and eat your food with you and tell you how crappy your life is. So David says, God prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know what is on the table? Jesus. Jesus. His healing, his salvation, it's his wine, it's his bread, it is him. And so every enemy that comes and says, hey, I don't think you should be celebrating. It's like, I'm just celebrating Jesus. I just got a little wine and bread here. I, just, I can't help but praise him. Woo-hoo. How are you doing? I'm blessed. I'm really blessed. I mean, we have to become people who are so enthralled and connected to Jesus and the power of his spirit that we are convinced that I am my beloved's and he is mine. His banner over me is love. Kiss me with the kisses of a thousand. God's relationship with you is so wrapped up in his commitment to being good to you. So, here's the deal. And this is part of the concept that the Pharisees had. They'd say things like this. Well, Jesus just casts out demons with a greater demon. He's just in charge of all the demons, and so he's demon-possessed, and he's in charge of all his little demons. 
So we'd cast out demons and they would go running and they're like, whoa, this guy's doing something we've never seen before. He must be the head of all the demons. That's all they could come up with. And Jesus goes, he says this, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So if Jesus comes to deliver you from the curse and put his life on it so that you could be blessed to walk in the blessing of God, if that's what Jesus did, why do you believe that Jesus and God are running around putting curses on you? That seems a little bit like a house divided. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So what Jesus does is he gives you direction. He gives you the spirit of God. He brings it as a gift. It is the power of God to lead you in all truth. He teaches you about himself. He reveals the heart of the Father. He pours out his love on your heart through the Holy Spirit. He gives you gifts, gifts of healing, tongues, interpretation, prophecy. He gives you the gift of wisdom. He gives you the gift of faith. It's not your faith meter that gets God to move. He gives you the faith for the thing that you got going. He gives you knowledge. It is his power at work in your life. He gives you the fruit of the spirit. It is his passion to take care of you. And so through that, he goes, you know what? I'm going to take care of everything. So that you can just focus on being with me, walking with me, talking with me, spending time with me. And then when I tell you to go, you don't have an excuse in the world. Well, I can't. He's like, cool, I can, go. Right? This is what happens to the man on the mat. He's like, take up your mat and walk. His natural instinct would be, I can't. And Jesus goes, I can, get up and walk. Love your neighbor. I just can't. I can. Get up and walk. Get up and be a responsible adult today. I can't adult today. You can. I can. You can. Get up. But you're so disconnected from the God who wants to give you power and life and life more abundantly because you believe that you're cursed. And you just have to put up with it because it's God's will for your life. God's word is the word that brings life. He says, stretch forth your hand, take up your mat and walk. He starts giving instructions. And by all means, every person goes, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. And if they would have said, I can't, they wouldn't. But when Jesus spoke, they obeyed the word of the Lord. And through that, their belief was demonstrated and they experienced healing. Now, that sounds like, well, I don't know about that. You haven't read the Gospels if you don't believe that. Because I, you want to know why? Because I believe like that. Well, that sounds like a lot of like, you know, arrogance and, you know, some really weird kind of like faith healer kind of stuff. Brandon, are you going to blow us down? What are you going to do up here? You know, like, like, that's the way I felt. I, was, I didn't humble myself to really see what God said. I just made up my own mind about how I felt in my heart about it. But along about 2010, God was like, open up your Bible. He said, if somebody's talking about Jesus, you listen. 
And I used to judge every single pastor based on if they lined up with what I thought about the Bible. (laughs) Reagan can tell you, you walked into my house, a pastor was talking on the TV every single hour of every single day. I stopped listening to music. I'm a musician. I'm an artist. I spent most of my life listening to music. I stopped listening to music. I only listen to people talk about Jesus. From all walks of life. I listen to reform guys. I listen to Holy Spirit guys. I listen to Benny Hinn. I listen to Kenneth Copeland. I listen to uh, John MacArthur. I listen to R.C. Sproul. I mean, you can just go right down the list of all these guys that I listen to. And I was like... Okay, I, I'm seeing some patterns here. Jesus, maybe you're more right than me. And he goes, open up your Bible. Every time they say a verse, find out where it is in the Bible. So they read it. I wouldn't just go, oh, that's so good. Galatians 3.13, I read the whole chapter. One of my favorite books is a guy who doesn't even believe in healing. His name is John MacArthur. He believes it, it used to happen, doesn't happen anymore. He believes a lot of things that I don't believe. I read his whole commentary on Galatians and it changed my life. It changed my life. Because he was talking about how God came to save and he came to redeem us from the curse of the law. So when that verse came up, I heard one person talk about it. Galatians 3.13. And when I read the book, I was like, wow. I started Bible college in 2012, 2013. One of my first assignments is in the life of Christ. It was like, read all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Start a spreadsheet, and every time Jesus heals some people, you write a little dissertation about it and find out what happens. So all the time that I was like, well, Jesus heals like this, and Jesus heals like that, and people are healed sometimes like this, it was all just my freaking opinion. When I opened up the Bible... The things that I'm telling you, that's the way Jesus healed. And I saw it with my own eyes. <laughs> like, it's like right there. And I was like, all oh, that faith stuff. And, you know, people, blah, 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 blah. Most of the time, Jesus, whenever he heals, always talks about their faith. One lady comes up, it just touches his, his dress. And Jesus is like, hey, it was your faith that healed you. Not Jesus like, glorify me. You should glorify me. I healed you. He's like, no, it's your faith. Peter's walking on the water. He starts to sink. He's like, Jesus. Jesus pulls him out and Jesus goes, you piece of crap. It was me that pulled you out of the water. That's what we'd want it to say. It doesn't. You know what it says? Oh, Peter. Where's your faith? Don't you believe me? You don't believe me? If you just had like a, a little bit of faith. If you just had a little bit of faith. Which, you know, to me is weird. Because he says Peter. Now keep in mind, he just walked on water. I don't, I mean, I've seen like TikTok videos of people like, you know, running across the water really fast or whatever. I don't know any other accounts of anybody just strolling along on the water. And Peter goes, you sank. Because a little faith. You got a little faith. 
but he walked on water. Maybe what Jesus said about the mustard seed is actually true. Which means that maybe we need to get to know Jesus a little better so that we might believe him when he actually says something. So, bringing you to the golden text. Here we are. Faith is the key component. Not Jesus' desire to, right? Well, guess God didn't want to heal me. That's, I heal it all the time. God didn't want to. God didn't want to. And I was a part of that camp for a long time. And then I was like, God, do you really want to heal everybody? Do you really want to heal? And he was like, didn't I put my life on it? And I'm like, that's going to make people not like me if I start talking about this. He's like, join the club. (laughs) Wouldn't it be easier if I just like, you know, taught them nice things about the Bible and how they should get their life together and how they should, you know, be more patient and be more kind. He's like, yeah, but what you're asking me for requires a deeper level of living. And so I became convinced that God desired healing to the point where he would take you to his side to glorify you perfectly. Because even if I'm healed from cancer today, I'm dying tomorrow. Right? I'm limited on how long I can live. But God desires good things for your life. God desires healing for your life. Jesus good, devil bad. If I can't be convinced of that, then I won't really trust him. I'll always second guess. So, the golden text is this. Jesus finds this guy and says, Hey, how you like your new legs? Looking pretty good there. I wonder if like, you know, Jesus was silly and he was like, hey, you got legs. <laughs> you know how to use them. Stop sinning. How, how inconsiderate of Jesus. Is he arrogant? How prideful. I mean, how, how just rude. Can you have a little bit of sensitivity? This guy's been lame for 38 years. And Jesus says, stop sinning. Now, theologians, through the ages, the world over, have pontificated about this verse. And what a lot of people come up with is, you're healed now. I'm not going to do that anymore because I don't, I'm not going to heal later. And you should stop sinning because you're going to go to hell. And hell is way worse than being by a pool. I can get with that. That seems cool. Okay. But I think Jesus was saying something different. I think that he was saying this. Look. Sin is two different things. It's deliberate disobedience from God. Which the children of Israel... The Israelites, they sinned all over the place. Just like rebellion against God. God says rebellion is the same thing as witchcraft. You might as well just worship demons. 
than be rebellious. That's an eye-opener. Okay? Deliberate disobedience is sin. But another picture of sin is missing the mark. As a matter of fact, we talked about this on Wednesday night, but they would sacrifice for the sins they knew they committed, the deliberate disobedience, and they would sacrifice for sins that they didn't even know they were really doing. Just missing the mark. When God says one thing, but you don't do it. When God says, move here, but you don't operate in it. You won't believe him when he says it. So when Jesus walks around healing people, he would give them an instruction so that they had the opportunity to walk in faith. They had an opportunity to say, you know what, Jesus, I think I believe what you say. Their first gut response could be, I can't do that. Their second response for the ones that we have record of was like, maybe I will try to stretch out my hand. Maybe I will take my mat up and walk. Maybe I will wash in the pool. Maybe I will be obedient to your word. Because sin is when we hear God's direction, his wisdom, his knowledge for our life, but we don't do it. Proverbs 4.4. This is the, well, it's Solomon's book, but it could be a number of different people writing. In this book, Chapter 4, Jesus is personified as wisdom. And this is, he's talking about wisdom. He says, then he taught me, his father's teaching about wisdom. He taught me, he said to me, take hold of my words with all your heart and keep my commands and you will live. Could it be that Jesus in your life is leading you to a place of obedience so that you could live Because here's my experience. Everybody wants a miracle. Not everybody wants a master. Everybody wants a miracle. Not everybody wants to obey the word of the Lord. Jesus is saying, I'm good. I want to heal. He's saying, believe me for healing. Believe me for restoration. Believe me that demons can flee. Believe me that you have authority. And most of us won't do it because we don't want to obey Jesus, our master. And this is where this this mentality of, well, if God wants it, he'll do it. Imagine if, if you went to your job and served your master. Clocked in, stood there, said, well, if the boss wants it, he'll do it. How well would that go? Right? Jesus' last instructions were, go and do all the things that I've taught you. Teach everything that I've commanded you. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. That's all his instructions. And he goes, hey... All authority has been given to me. I want you to go because I'll be with you. Sounds to me like he's given you a job to walk in obedience. But most of us are just comfortable in our smoke break of Christianity. I'm going to go out back. If anything happens in here, let me know. I'll come back and I'll try to clean it up. Sorry, this is my fifth sermon this week. So I'm I'm just rolling right on through and you guys are here. We applaud healing 
and run away from health. You realize that a lot of the Bible is just God telling Christians how to eat? Most Christians are like, oh, those Jews. <laughs> you know they're more healthy than you? You want to know why? Because they eat what God told them to eat. Well, God doesn't really care what you eat. Pass the bacon. So could it be that we destroy our healing by dabbling in disobedience? Could it be that God delivered you from addiction, but then the next day you went out and just sat at the bar with your friends just to, you know, be nice? Could it be that God could heal you from AIDS, but you don't know how to put it back in your pants? It's real stuff here. Real stuff here. I want to get clear out there on this edge. You're like, oh, that seems pretty real. (laughs) But let's go here. Could it be that God delivered you from anxiety, but you can't turn off the news? Could it be that God gives you peace to sleep at night? But you won't give it to him and lay your burdens down like he asked you to do? Hey, come to me when you're weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. As a matter of fact, maybe you're trying to be the savior of the world and it is crushing you. It has killed your health, that back pain you have. Everything is just, he says, don't be bitter. And you're just like, well, I have to be. I just, I can't, I can't. And he's like, no, just obey. And he heals you in one moment and you walk back up and pick up the same load, the same cross of the world. And he says, no, you take up my cross and you follow after me. Yeah, you you can clap to that if you want. Thank you. Because see, half of what God wants to do in your life, if not all, is to draw you to him. He's not drawing you to him by cursing you. Not doing that. He's drawing you to him so that he can show you how to live the God kind of life. Jesus didn't walk up to the guy and say, do you want to be healed? And he's like, yeah, of course I want to be healed. And he's like, well, go to Bible study for a year. You know, follow the law. Do good. I'll check back in with you. If you've done that and you've earned your healing, then I'm going to heal you. You know, Jesus healed blind men, right? A lot of them couldn't see before. You know, the natural heart of a man is lust. Just, it's just natural. It's every man's battle. Just like every woman's battle is insecurity in comparison to other women. Now, 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 women, you're starting to like understand. Okay, you walk into a room and you're sizing up. Oh, they're they're cuter than me. I don't know. It's so rampant in your natural flesh that you blame your husband for your insecurity. Were you looking at her? No, I only want you. Yeah, right. It's true. It's true. Jesus heals a blind man whose natural inclination is towards lust. A blind man. Knowing, he knows everything. He knows the future. He knows that person's heart. He knows the intentions of the heart. He knows everything about them. And he heals the blind man knowing what he's going to look at with his eyes. 
And Jesus says, what you look at with your eyes is the same as doing it. Wow. Jesus would heal a lame man with no legs. You know, shriveled up legs. Heal them. Knowing where their legs would take them as soon as they were healed. Probably to sin. But for some reason, we think that God doesn't want to heal us until we get our life cleaned up. I've got this anxiety because I don't have my life cleaned up. I've got this depression because I don't have my life cleaned up. I've got this sickness because I need to get better first and then God will do something. Are you God or is God God? Okay. The issue is we don't put our faith in God. We're not convinced of his nature. We don't know what it's like. We don't know that if we can believe him and trust him. Because after all, if we give our anxiety to him, is he going to be anxious enough for us? we got stuff to worry about here. So twofold. I want you to know this. God is not cursing you. God is not waiting for you to get your life together so he can save you, deliver you, or heal you. No. He's waiting for you to put your faith in who he is, that he's good, he cares for you, he loves you, he desires good things for you. And if you're not convinced of that, you need to read the Bible a little more. And I'm not saying that arrogantly. You need to get in there and go, God, show me what you really want. Because, I mean, if laying your life down in the most brutal torture ever known on the face of the planet is not enough, I don't know what else to tell you that you're worth it. That God loves you, that he cares for you, desires good things for you. He wants that in your life. When you listen to all the other voices that say, nope, God doesn't want to. Nope, God, God's not able. Nope, God doesn't do that anymore. Nope, God, God says you're not enough. God says you've never been enough. He just says, I'm enough. Stretch forth your hand. I'm enough. Get up and walk. I'm enough. Stop being anxious. I'm enough. Stop being depressed. I'm enough. Get it together. I'm enough. I'm enough. All I need you to do is stand up. Relationship with Jesus will show you that about your life. And the third thing is that God is always giving, always giving direction. And he loves his people who follow. As a matter of fact, Jesus says this. He's like, if you love me, if you loved me, like you want to show me you love me, is like, do what I say. Keep my commands. And there's enough people trying to invent their own laws and their own things and their own system of rules. Like, I know Jesus said that, but I've got, I've got a better way. <laughs> That's really nice, but it seems a little bit rigid. I don't think I have to really obey you like that, Jesus. I don't, I don't. <laughs> you couldn't mean that. Trust me, if you love God, you'd do what he says. You'd obey his commands, you'd follow after him. He's given you wisdom for everything. He says, he says, if you follow my wisdom, you'll have life. You'll have life. You'll have life. So when he finds this guy and he says, hey, hey, stop sinning. I healed you. I've demonstrated my goodness. He's like, stop sinning. Stop sinning. You can be healed of heart disease and, and not give up the fried chicken. Right? My dad got a brand new heart. You know what he started doing? He started carrying cauliflower everywhere he went. And he's like, hey, have you had lunch? I need to eat something. I'm like, 
yeah, I'll go have lunch with you. And he would go and he would pay for me to have lunch and he would eat his cauliflower out of his bag. My mom asked the doctor, said, well, how, how long are we talking if he gets this heart surgery? He says, are we talking like three years, four years? He said, no, I'm thinking like 13 years. And she said, if you can promise me 13 years, he'll take care of his heart and we'll do the surgery. Guess how long my dad lived from that surgery? 13 years. He had to put up with us 13 more years to see Jesus. Could it be that you're saying, well, you know, as soon as I lose the weight, then my knee will be better. Yeah, you should start losing the weight, but God can heal your knee and you can still lose the weight. Well, God, I'll go to the 12 steps program and then you'll heal me. Well, he can heal you from addiction and you can still get support from the 12 steps. Well, you know, I'll, I'll stop watching the news and I'll stop being a, a fear monger and, and telling all my friends and, and reposting that stuff on Facebook and just more wrapped up in worshiping the government than Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I'll stop doing that and then I'll stop being anxious and then I can finally worship you. He's like, no, worship me, give it all to me and then just stop that. Don't go back to the things that are causing destruction in your life. Stop sinning before something worse comes upon you. The God of heaven wants to come to earth and heal your life. He wants to. He wants to. He wants to. He wants to heal your family. He wants to heal your family. He wants to heal your body. He wants to heal your marriage. He wants to restore things. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people sitting at the pool who will never approach Jesus to experience the healing they've needed for 38 years. Don't let it be you. You stand to your feet in this room. I'm glad the Chiefs have already played because I have no idea what time it is. I preached Friday and Saturday night and the person in charge said, I said, how long do you want me to go? They said, we start at eight, the whole night is yours. And I was like, I wish they were that kind of yes first. Just kidding. Would you just close your eyes and Bow your head, whatever, just tune into God a second. Just eliminate the distractions. I'm open eye prayer. It's cool. But eliminating distractions is what we're looking for. Tune your heart towards God. God, I believe you. You don't have to paint another picture for me. I'm just looking at everything you've done and I, I see that you, you love your people. But could you come and, and demonstrate to your children your power and your glory, how much you love them? In these moments, they all have something that they have been wondering if this is normal forever or it's going to be supernatural. Holy Spirit, come and invade this place. Just rest on us. 
in a new way. We turn inwardly to our, our heart and the spirit of God inside and we say, fill us to overflowing. It's not about our many words. It's not about all the things that we think we need to do to get your attention. We just tune ourselves to you. God is saying this exact thing that your broken heart has allowed you to not trust him your broken heart is allowed you to just say God I, I, I repent of that I change my mind on that come in and fill my heart if that's you your broken heart has allowed you to not trust him raise your hand where you are just healing in your body awesome someone's next to you with their hand up you just put your hand on their shoulder their back you can move around if you need to healing in your body one man told me he got a new knee this week another man told me I had a pain in his back for years completely gone Two people told me this week that they had throat issues. Both of them thought it was going to be cancer. All the signs were there and they're 100% healed of that pain and that issue. God is doing miraculous things as we look to him. God, we believe that you are a healer. We put our faith in you that you said by your stripes we are healed. We are healed. We are healed. We walk in healing in our mind, in our bodies, in our relationships, in our hearts. God, thank you for healing, touching our body, touching our body, our physical bodies. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. God wants to heal confusion in your mind, in minds. If that's you, just raise your hand. The spirit of confusion is on your mind. It's like you don't get it, you don't understand it. Like your whirlwinds. It's like maybe you just need clarity on a certain subject, but maybe your whole entire world just feels like a constant cloud of 
of confusion. Right now, I just pray the spirit of peace, the mind of Christ to reign on these people. Put on the helmet of salvation, the helmet of deliverance on their head, God. Just Jesus himself. Lord, put the blinders on them so that, like a horse, that they just, they focus on you. Give them focus to see you clearly, to, to love you rightly. God, thank you. more thing you feel like you feel like this sermon that that one phrase stop sinning so something worse doesn't come upon you not to be some kind of dirty weird sin or whatever it's just that you know you're missing god's best in obedience you're missing the mark and it may be the worst sin of your life but it may just be like i need god's help to make it through to do what he says to follow his word to do the things that he's called me to do because i know that healing is mine and I'm walking in it, but I need the strength to remain there. I need the strength to remain there, the strength to get up. Will you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? Awesome, thank you. I think there's more. The strength to stop sinning, the strength to, to God move on, move out of this sickness, move out of this disease, to move out of this mental state, to move out of this mental problem. God, we thank you for divine deliverance. God, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to serve you with everything. Lord, we make you master and savior. We follow everything. We burn the plows. We leave it behind and we look to you. Today is the day that we follow you with all of our life, with all of our heart. Give us the strength. We know that it doesn't mean the temptation goes away. That we aren't tempted, we don't have the natural inclination to sin, whether it be sexually or even just the ability to be depressed. Lord, I pray that you give life and life more abundantly to our hearts and minds, strength and vitality. That we be people that serve you with everything. We be people of the Spirit. People that, like the 12 that followed after Jesus and said, yes, I will. I am Jesus' best friend. Where he goes, I will follow. Speak to us clearly. Reveal yourself through your word that we would know you and we would be forever changed each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen.